welcome to the kickoff of season four of I'd Rather Be Reading. And while we're at it, welcome to 2022. I hope yours is off to a great start so far, only two days in, but I hope it's wonderful and everything you hoped it would be so far. We have a big first week of 2022 for you over at I'd Rather Be Reading, starting with Whitney Goodman, author of the book Toxic Positivity, Keeping It Real in a World Obsessed with Being Happy. This book deeply resonated with me. You'll hear me go into it more in the interview because my my baseline tends to be positivity and sometimes I find my positivity merging into the toxic category. I am admittedly a bit of a Pollyanna, a bit of a sunny side up kind of person, which honestly that lessens as I age. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And you'll hear on the show an example in my life recently when after reading Toxic Positivity, I redirected positivity that was turning a bit toxic and just allowed the person I was speaking with to have a bad moment of the day. It is okay to not be okay. So let me tell you a little about Whitney. She is the radically honest psychotherapist behind the popular Instagram account at Sit With Wit and the owner of the Collaborative Counseling Center, a private therapy practice in Miami. She helps individuals and couples heal past wounds and create the life they've always wanted. Her work has been featured in dozens of publications and programs, including the New York Times, Teen Vogue, New York Magazine, InStyle, and Good Morning America. Whitney lives in Miami with her husband, their two dogs, and her son. Take a listen to our conversation. I chose Whitney Goodman's Toxic Positivity to kick off season four of I'd Rather Be Reading because it is one of the best brutally but beautifully honest gut punches of a book I've read in a long time. And as a recovering toxic positivity addict, truth be told, I needed this book and maybe you do too. Welcome to the show, Whitney. Hi, thank you for having me. An honor. So by the way, about every other page, I was tabbing and highlighting the book and audibly saying yes, like over and over again. You know, in school, when your professors say don't highlight the whole textbook, it renders studying useless. The entire book is highlighted from (laughs) So I just want to I love to hear that. Thank you. It's really awesome. I know that. So, okay. So I know after reading, you know, kind of your master class in it, what toxic positivity is, but for those that may not know, what is toxic positivity and give us some examples. Sure. So toxic positivity is the unrelenting pressure to appear happy and be happy in all situations, no matter what. And Really what it is, is it's forcing ourselves or someone else to deny an emotion, suppress it, and just try a little bit harder to be happy instead. Um, And there's a lot of different examples, right? So like, don't cry, just smile, time heals all wounds, Um, be grateful it's not this, or at least it's not that. Well, I want to tell you an example of my own that happened this week at work. And I had just finished reading Toxic Positivity and I was so proud of myself. I think you'll be proud of me too, because I caught myself practicing Toxic Positivity and I want to share my own example from my own life. So my coworker um, dropped a mug of coffee and it shattered all over the floor. 
and before and he and he says oh shit and I run over I say are you okay because I can't see him but I heard it and um, I run over to him I say was there coffee in the mug and he said no thankfully and I said then I started doing the toxic positivity thing Whitney I said well look on the bright side at least you didn't get coffee everywhere and then I caught myself in the middle of that sentence I said you know what no that sucks. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Like that's annoying. And so that I'm, I'm, I'm improving. So that's, that's a you- great example. That is something to be proud of. Absolutely. Sometimes it just, sometimes you just break the coffee mug. It shatters into a million pieces and it sucks. You don't have to look on the bright side. So right. um, you write in the book, despite an abundance of research on the ineffectiveness of positivity in various situations, the self-help community of which you are a part continues to push positivity and the pursuit of happiness at every turn. That's true. So mm-hmm. why, why, why is this so? You know, I think it's just become so prevalent that we're all like, okay, this is what's supposed to work. And nobody has really stopped to think about like, well, if I don't like this and my friends are telling me they don't like it, then maybe you we should try something else. Because mm. I know I I talk about in the book that like at the start of my career, I was working with cancer patients a lot and I was using this all the time because I didn't really look further into it. I just thought it was what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, and you write, I, I love quoting authors to authors. You're, I don't know if that's a weird experience for some authors, but I do it a lot. So I just, I, I feel like nobody can say it better than you. So you write- Happiness and positivity have become both a goal and an obligation. At every turn, we're told that we need to be more grateful or more positive. If something goes wrong in your life, it's because you had a bad attitude or you didn't try hard enough. Again, yes. So why? And and I know, I think, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in therapy and I'm doing the work on myself. I think I know why. I have toxic positivity, why I, why my baseline is positivity, even if it's toxic sometimes. Um, but why, why is this become a cultural norm that we just always have to be okay all the time? So I think it's built into like the fiber of our society, especially in the United States, right? Like huh. we have the right to the pursuit of happiness. We are told from the second we come into the world that you just, I just want you to be happy. Um, You know, happiness is always the goal. And if we're not happy, it always comes back to like, well, what are you doing wrong? What should you be doing instead? And it becomes like, happiness is always the goal. And it is an obligation. If we're not doing it, then something's wrong with us. Yeah. And, and you write in the, if this book allows you to make room in your life for the good, the bad and the ugly, I've done my job. Well, you did that. Whitney, and I'd also like to read from the book, somewhere along the way, we've constructed this idea that being a positive person means that you're a robot who has to see the good in literally everything. That is what I've conditioned myself to be, Whitney. I mean, we won't go into this whole therapy journey of myself on here, but I you know, really built up as, as a child and especially as an adolescent that you know, if I wasn't Pollyanna, poly positive all the time, then you know, people wouldn't want to be around me. And so I really became this incredibly, which isn't, I mean, positivity isn't a bad thing, but at what point does positivity become toxic? 
Right. So that's something I try to say all the time is that positivity is not toxic and it's not a bad thing. It becomes Mm -hmm. toxic when we use it in the wrong situations with the wrong audience and the wrong topic. Right. Yeah. So if you're somebody that's just like, you know, optimistic and happy-go-lucky, that's great. When you're forcing it on other people in moments of distress or on yourself in moments of distress, that's when we see it become a toxic force for us. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to, to say here that like, you're not saying, don't be happy. Don't be optimistic. It's just when, when positivity becomes toxic, that's a problem. You, you say that toxic positivity is well in both well-intentioned and dismissive, which is true. So the book goes over some difficult issues that, um, that in which toxic positivity is particularly unhelpful and even harmful for like, you know, something I'm going through with more than one of my friends right now is infertility and pregnancy loss. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, all of us collectively as a society right now are going through a period of grief. Um, Some examples, um, the book highlights many examples, but um, everything happens for a reason is like, oh my God, like, can we just stop like tell, tell that to a grieving mother of a, who lost a child, you know, or exactly life will never give you more than you can handle. Well, that is, that is patently false. Um, who said that, or, or Mm -hmm. you'll be fine. I mean, how, how dismissive is that? So, um, any other examples that you want to share where, uh, the book has tons, but some examples like that, I mean, everything happens for a reason is just the one that I hear all the time and it's so yeah. toxic. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, you're bringing up a good point about like infertility, pregnancy loss. These are the type of situations where people are in a really fragile place and to tell someone like, oh, well, that happened for a reason. It's like, what's the reason? Yeah, or, <laughs> you know, like who, you know, who do you believe in that would want this to happen? To right. me? Or a lot of it is like, if you already have a child or um, be grateful, you know, you can get pregnant, you know, those types of Ugh. things are said a lot. And it's like, well, I, I guess, but like, maybe I don't want to be grateful for that right now. Right. I'm in pain. Well, and then it takes the tragedy and then it almost makes it your fault if you feel bad about it happening. Like it puts the onus on you, like, you know, what's wrong with you that you're sad? I mean, of course you're sad if you lost a child, you know, if you miscarried or what, what have you. I just, I think this is a conversation, especially as we continue to move through COVID and so many people are experiencing grief that we've got to stop this because it's so unhealthy for that person going through the pain to hear like exactly what, what is the reason that I miscarried at 38 weeks? You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, tell me that like that you can't. And I, I just feel like the pressure to be happy and look happy has never been greater yet. We're moving through a time that is at least in my 35 years has never been greater for loss and grief and, and sadness, quite frankly, Um, I wonder, you know, just as I'm talking, if, if our Instagram, perfect social media, perfect culture weighs into that pressure. A thousand percent. And that's really where I started to recognize toxic positivity. It was like all of these 
influencers, like be grateful. I started my morning with a gratitude list and it's all these like perfectly curated images. And I'm a therapist. So I know like what these people are putting out there is not the full story. Yeah, It, it never is. And it's not that you have to be so authentic and share all of your business online. I personally don't do that, but I think we have to remember that things are not always as they seem. And this pressure Mm -hmm. to show up a certain way is huge. Yeah. And, you know, I think maybe another, again, this is not my Whitney Goodman, Rachel Birchfield therapy session, but I think another reason that I have, that I started practice talks, practicing toxic positivity when I was um, a preteen, early teenager was that was a time in my life where my life felt kind of out of control. And I think as you write in the book, positive, positive thinking gives us the illusion of hope and control, right? But, uh, but the human experience is so much more well-rounded than simply being positive all the time. Like it is okay to have a bad day. It is, I mean, how many, I just finished reading Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. And there are 87 different emotions and feelings and happy is, is one of them. You know, you, I, I want to live a full life and that includes living the full range of emotions. Don't you agree? Absolutely. And if you think about like the, the emotions that have brought so much meaning to your life or the experiences, they're not really just the happy ones. Like when I think about what has strengthened my marriage or my friendships, it's going through things that are difficult and having to experience a lot of different types of emotions. Yeah. The happy moments are great, but if my life was all that, I I don't think it would be very meaningful. No, it would be, it would be plastic. And and I know Mm -hmm. this because I've done this and, you know, a great example is in relationships. Um, I don't really do this so much anymore, but for all of my twenties and most of my, like my early thirties, I would, um, be happy, positive, Pollyanna, um, like everybody's favorite cheerleader in my romantic relationships. And then when, you know, we got into it and stuff hit the fan, which it will hit the fan. That's just life. Then suddenly I was crying or had, or angry. And it was just like, well, that's not the bill of goods you sold me on, you know, and, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, who is this person that's angry? That's not, that's not the Rachel I fell in love with. And so, it, yeah, I mean, you can't allow people to fall in love with, with you if you're not presenting your authentic self, whether it's romantically or friendship or in a job interview. I mean, just, you know, it, it just, it, you write in the book that it's okay to express your emotions. It's what makes you human and mm-hmm. you don't have to love every part of your life. And even, and this is, this resonated with me so much right now in my particular stage of life, Whitney, you don't have to love every part of your life. And even when you do, you still might need more or want more. You do not have to accept less or being treated poorly in the name of gratitude. My God, like so many of us need to hear this. Allow yourself to be grateful for what is and hopeful for what could be. I actually cried reading that sentence because, mm. you know, I've said this on the show before. Um, I, I always try to connected back to my life on the show that my professional life is great. I mean, here I am talking with great people like you. 
um, my personal life kind of went in shambles at the end of this year. And so my toxic positivity says, well, you've got so much to be grateful for. You know, you don't need to want um, a healthy romantic relationship or children. You've got so much to be grateful for, but actually I can want it all, you know, and your book is giving me permission to simultaneously be happy with parts of my life, but also want more. So, so thank you for that. Um, I still have so much left to hope for and wish for and, and dream of. And so I just, you know, personally, thank you for that. I'm really glad that that was a, a meaningful part of the book for you. Cause I think it's so true that we're allowed to, you know, accept what we have, be grateful for it and also accept the parts that aren't great and yeah. say like, I, I would like these to change. And if there are things that can be changed, we have a right to pursue that. Absolutely. And you know what? The book also taught me how to complain effectively. There is such a thing, listeners, and how complaining actually does serve a real purpose in our lives. Can you kind of talk us through this on a high level? Yeah. So complaining has such a bad rap, right? Everybody's right. like, oh, I hate complaining. And it's actually really effective. If we know how to complain, it teaches us um, what's important to us, what might need to be worked on or changed, and also like what's bothering us. And so the best thing to do is to figure out, you know, what's bothering you, who can you actually go to with that complaint, and what's the purpose of the complaining. And when you know that, you're able to effectively complain and, and possibly get your needs met or find connection through that complaint. So the, you write about how some of us can get stuck in what you call a complaint loop in the book. So how can you tell when you're stuck in a complaint loop? Because just like anything, right? Some, some of complaining, some of positivity, some of anything is usually healthy, but you can always overdo it with positivity or with complaining. And that's when it starts to merge into the unhealthy territory. So how can you tell when you're stuck in a complaint loop? Yeah. When you're complaining um, about the same thing over and over, you find that it doesn't really feel satisfying or like uh, cathartic to be complaining. You're possibly going to the same people. They're telling you that, you know, they're frustrated with your level of complaining. That might be a sign that like, this isn't working. The complaining isn't actually helping me. And I might need to do something else about this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, you know, I also appreciated, I mean, I feel like I'm reading your book back to you, but I'm not going to quote <laughs> you for a second. You know, it's so funny because I'm like, um, you know, I'm barely asking any questions, which is so rare for me because you answered my questions in the, in the book. So I guess readers- I'm so glad. Listeners, you're just going to have to pick up a copy, but um, I want to unpack what is the difference between a happiness-driven life and a value-driven life? You talk about that in the book. Yes. So when you're seeking happiness, it's, it's really like you're centering everything in your life around trying to be happy. And this means that you're going to possibly make decisions that lead to, you know, short-lived fulfillment um, everything you're going to be doing is in pursuit of that emotion. And it's very, very difficult to maintain. With a value-driven life, which is what I propose in the book, people should transition into, you're living a life in accordance with your values. And the values are really just the things in your life that you love, respect, and want to pursue. So it might be like family or health um, or adventure. 
And you're going to realize that when you're in pursuit of your values, it's not always going to be good and happy and fun, but you're living in accordance with what is important to you. Right. And it just feels like, at least as I read the book, the, the push to rid myself of, of toxic positivity and merge more towards helpful positivity, which I want to ask you about in just a second, is really just me becoming more myself and me becoming more authentic and me allowing myself and giving myself permission to feel everything and to be driven by my, as you said, by my values, rather than just by this pursuit of happiness, which is brilliant as what you just said earlier, how it literally goes back to the declaration of independence that we are, we as Americans, at least I know we have listeners from around the world, but we are after this pursuit of happiness, but really happiness is sometimes the unhealthy option, which is kind of a mind blowing concept for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just okay to feel the full range of human emotions. Um, And and I want to talk about, you know, we've addressed what toxic positivity is. Obviously, that's spoken about in the book. It's the title of the book, but you also write about helpful positivity. What is helpful positivity? With helpful positivity, we're, we're recognizing that there's good and there's bad and allowing people to like get to their own conclusions about what is good for them, what's harmful to them is helpful. And it also takes some time to do that where toxic positivity is very like right in the moment, like with the coffee cup thing, you want it to be like, it's okay, instead of allowing that person to move through their process, right? Yeah. It's also that this understanding that like not every situation has a silver lining, but we're still going to organically experience joy and happiness and fulfillment, even if we don't always find the silver lining. Mm-hmm. Um, I think helpful positivity also pushes us to be optimistic and hopeful while we're recognizing that things aren't great. So you can validate that like, okay, life is really hard right now. Maybe my personal life isn't where I want it to be. And I'm hopeful that that's going to change in the future. So using that and in the middle Mm -hmm. is really the definition of helpful positivity versus toxic positivity, just being like, it's gonna be okay, cheer up. You'll find the right person. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I mean, and, and I will admit like, you know, that is sometimes, really nice to hear as the person on the other side of that. But also, you know, I, I just, I want again to be given permission and to give permission to everyone that reads this book and listens to this show to just be okay with not being okay sometimes. And I know that for some people listening, they're like, well, duh. I mean, that's baseline. Like that's, that's kindergarten knowledge, but for me, it is not. So meet me where I am in the moment. And, and I'm sure many others where we've just been so classically conditioned to be happy all the time. I live in the South. Women in the South are classically conditioned to, if not be a happy all the time, at least present happy all the time. And, um, and sometimes it's really okay to not be okay. And um, mm-hmm. so love it. Okay. My last question for you is why didn't you write this book 20 years ago? And I started practicing toxic positivity. Just kidding. That's not my question, (laughs) but in all, but in all seriousness, you know, first of all, thank you for the book. And what do you hope readers get out of toxic positivity? Cause I, I will reread this 
probably every, at least until I can master the concept, probably every few months, because it is one of those books that's just going to be a, a signpost for me. But what do you hope readers get out of reading Toxic Positivity? First, that means so much to me. Thank you. I really hope that people understand that it's okay to be human yeah. and to feel emotions and that they also learn how to support themselves and each other in moments where things are difficult. And I also hope everyone just realizes that it's okay to recognize what's hard and be optimistic about what's good, that we can mm. do both at the same time. Wow, that's so good. So listeners, wherever you're at in your life right now, I, I think all of us have much to be grateful for, but we also have much that is that we're working through and, and striving towards in our lives. And it's okay to be both and it's okay to, uh, it's not a zero sum game. We can be happy, but also want more out of our lives. And that's what I wish for all of us in 2022 is that we recognize what we are thankful for, but also realize that it's okay to want more and it's okay to be human. So Toxic Positivity, Keeping It Real in a World Obsessed with Being Happy is out January 25th. Obviously, I cannot recommend it any more highly. This is my 2022 book of the year thus far. Thank you for this book and for being here, Whitney. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Going forward into 2022, let's all be more mindful of our potential toxic positivity, realizing that there is nothing wrong with positivity itself, only when our positivity becomes potentially harmful to others. So at the beginning of the year, I'm always inspired to read motivational books that push me to be my best self. Here are some I've read recently and enjoyed. The first is The High Five Rule by Mel Robbins, which came out last September 28th and explores a daily self-high five practice as a way to kickstart your morning by practicing self-validation. That is a skill I'm continually working on. Mel writes that starting this practice improved her relationship with herself and that every morning when she'd go to high five herself, it felt like she was about to see a friend, which I love that. For those like me who have struggled, with the relationship with oneself, it's a great book to help you work on that in 2022. Next up is Find Your Unicorn Space by Eve Rodsky, author of the popular book Fair Play. Now, Find Your Unicorn Space came out December 28th, and this book argues that finding time to be creative is not optional, even in our crazy, busy lives. It introduces readers to the power of the pause, that we all have creativity inside of us, and that creativity is essential. Eve has dreams of jumpstarting a creativity revolution, and this book might do just that. Probably one of the most powerful books I've read lately is Lisa Turkhurst's I'll Start Again Monday, which God only knows how many times I've said that to myself about eating better or this or that. Not since Janine Roth's Women, Food, and God, which I mentioned on a previous episode of the show, have I felt so seen when it comes to the way I eat. Lisa writes, I'm not writing this book to beat your taste buds into submission or because I've discovered the magic diet to get you skinny by tomorrow. I'm writing this book because I've struggled way too long with my food choices and my weight. Because I've said, I'll start again Monday a thousand times only to disappoint myself by breakfast. Yeah, Lisa, that is totally, 
totally me as well. This book walks us through her decision to conquer her unhealthy eating habits and what she calls spiritual malnutrition. She writes, we feel overweight physically, but underweight spiritually. Tying these two things together is the first step on one of the most significant journeys you'll ever take with God. She continues, nothing changes until we make the choice to redirect our misguided cravings to the only one capable of satisfying them. Going on to ask, is it possible we love and rely on food more than we love and rely on God? That's pretty powerful. She writes of how she grew closer to God through this process as God can use food issues to teach the importance of daily dependence on him. That knocked me off of my feet, as did this. Yes, I've lost pounds and inches, but not being weighed down mentally and spiritually by the constant feeling of defeat is the real victory. This book is exactly what I needed to read to kickstart 2022, and this book will be released this upcoming Tuesday, January 4th. Finally for today, Kimberly Snyder's book, You Are More Than You Think You Are, comes out January 25th. Kimberly walks readers through meditation and the life-altering benefits of inner peace and how to create more abundance in our lives. And speaking of January 25th, that's when you can grab Toxic Positivity. I loved it so much. I just had to open our season four with it. We'll be back on Tuesday with Monica Aldama star of Netflix's hit show Cheer and the author of Full Out, which gives us tons of Coach Monica wisdom to continually start out our year on the right foot. Talk soon.